This morning we begin a new series of messages on the theme Beyond a Belief. And uh, as part of that, we're going to be spending time in one particular passage of Scripture. We're going to be looking at James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, and then some of the other verses along the way. But at this time, I invite you to stand together and join me as we read from God's Word printed for us. My brothers and sisters, what good is it if people say they have faith but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith, they can't save anyone, can it? Imagine a brother or sister who's naked and never has enough food to eat. What if one of you said, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. Someone might claim, you have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Instead, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Please be seated. Now, before I begin, I want to take a moment of personal privilege to recognize uh, some folks who uh, came in uh, after our announcements. I was going to acknowledge them, but I'll do that now. Uh, Adam and Sarah Mathis have been with us before, and uh, they surprised us this morning. We didn't know they were coming until just a little while ago. Uh, Adam is so so proud of this young couple. Adam is a um, chaplain in the United States Navy. Uh, and is doing an excellent job there. He's also a Ph.D. student at Campbell School of Theology with the hopes one day of uh, being a professor uh, in a seminary setting. But the best thing about Adam is his wife, Sarah, and uh, they make a wonderful couple, and they've brought with them today somebody that I'm really, really excited to see. And I've just got to take a moment to say this. Uh, I gave my three sons many opportunities when they had their babies, to name one of their sons Stuart. I mean, at least a middle name or something. Nah, didn't do it. But I want to introduce to you a beautiful little girl, Sarahlyn Stewart Mathis, this morning. Hold, Becky, hold her up so everybody can see how beautiful she is. <laughs> Adam and Sarah, it's always great to, to see you guys. Great to be with you today. I want to make an assumption this morning that is really not going out on a limb. It's a pretty safe assumption. And the assumption is this, that everybody in this room believes in God. I think that's pretty much the case. I mean, the fact that you're here this morning is a pretty strong indicator of that. Uh, you settled that a long time ago that you're going to be a person who believes in God. Now, a lot of people out there in the culture today, they've decided that they're not going to believe in God, but that's not true of you. But I want to say something else that is equally true, and that's this, that many people who believe in God, sadly enough, believing is as far as it goes. And believing as God in God is a far cry from what God really wants from us and for us. Suppose my wife Becky comes to me this afternoon and says, Stuart, do you love me? 
Are you glad you married me? And what if my response is to look at her and say, I believe in marriage. Is that going to be an adequate answer for her? Probably not. Guys, just let me let you in on something. If your, if your wife asks you that question, don't give that answer, okay? That's a far from adequate answer. And yet that's similar to what a lot of people want to do with their spiritual life in a relationship with God. That somehow believing in God is sufficient and is as far as they need to go. And the truth of the matter is that we live in a time, day and time in which a lot of people who believe in God, if you ask them how that belief influences their life, what difference it makes in the decisions they make, how it impacts their day-to-day actions, behaviors, a lot of them would be hard-pressed to say how at all their faith or that belief is a factor in how they live. And that's also true, unfortunately, a lot of times with people in the church. The reality is that the reason so many of our churches aren't as effective as they could be and the reason a lot of us as individual believers don't experience a level of spiritual joy and intimacy with God that God desires is that we believe in God. When what needs to happen is for us to go beyond belief. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not suggesting that we trash belief and just leave it and go on to something else, something better. No. What I'm saying is, we embrace belief. We, we celebrate our belief. We affirm it. We cherish it. But let's realize that believing in God is just a starting point. It's not meant to be where we park our lives. You see, the reality is this. The work and mission of Jesus Christ in the world is not going to happen because people like you and me believe in God. The mission of the church is not going to happen because people in the church believe in God. This church, New University United Methodist Church, we will accomplish nothing of any eternal significance simply because you and I believe in God. The work and the mission of the church only happens when we move beyond belief and are actually living out what it is we say we believe. We take the belief in God, which is precious and wonderful and beautiful, but we've got to go beyond belief in which we live it out in tangible actions. You see, belief is a good start, but it's a a catalyst. And by itself, it's dead. And that's not my words. That's the words of James just a moment ago. Now, think about the contrast between believing and going beyond belief. Believing is what motivates you to get dressed to go to church on a Sunday morning. Beyond belief is what motivates you to leave the church and go into your neighborhoods and your schools and your communities and be the hands and feet of Christ. Believing is what prompts us to join a Bible study. Going beyond belief is taking what we learn in that Bible study and actually doing something with it. Believing leads us to put money in an offering plate. Beyond belief leads us to stepping up to the plate and offering ourselves as an offering to God. 
Believing prompts us to join the church. Beyond belief causes us to join with Christ in making a difference in the world. And see, we move from, we move beyond belief when our belief makes that 12-inch journey from our head to our heart and begins impacting everything about us and how we live our lives. So our, our purpose in these five Sundays together is really simple. We're going to challenge ourselves to go beyond belief. And we're going to ask ourselves, or challenge ourselves to do that in, in five practical ways as we reflect on what it means to live as authentic disciples of Christ in the world today. We're going to challenge ourselves to go beyond belief. Actually, take that card, if you will. To go beyond belief in the area of caring, and serving, and telling, and giving, and standing. And we'll take a look at each of, each of those each Sunday. Now, the idea is that we want you to take this card, and each week we're going to ask you to make a commitment of yourself in one of these areas. This morning I'm going to conclude our service by asking you to make a commitment to how you will demonstrate a greater caring attitude and spirit and follow-through with others, caring for others. Now, Ideally, what we'd like for you to do is to take this card and, and uh, put it in your Bible or, or tape it to your refrigerator or tape it to the mirror in your bathroom, wherever you're most likely to see it uh, during the week. And if you can remember to bring it with you back to church on Sunday morning uh, as we look at the next theme on here. So that's kind of where we're going to be going over the next few weeks. The first one we want to talk about is caring. You and I know that we have gone beyond just belief when there is within us an authentic and a genuine and an active caring for others. A lot of people today pretty much live as the center of their universe. Their attention is on themselves. Their money is spent on themselves. Their thoughts are about themselves. Their purpose in life is to address their needs and their concerns. And caring about other people is probably not even on their radar. We're not part of the equation of their life. Now, James, in our passage that we read just a moment ago, is very clear that for us as believers, that can't describe us. Look, here's how he says it. Imagine, brothers, imagine, for example, that a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food. You see them. And suppose, what if you say to that person, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal, and if this text were written in, in the South, we'd add, bless your heart, you know, if that's our response to somebody in that situation, what is it that we're conveying? We're conveying, I don't really care very much about you. Caring prompts us to do something to help. And caring is, is a fundamental 
hallmark of who we are supposed to be as believers. I heard this week an amazing story of how a a young 14-year-old girl prompted her family to be more caring. Maybe you've heard about uh, this family. They actually live in Atlanta, and this this happened in Atlanta. Uh, 14-year-old Hannah Solomon was uh, driving through downtown with her parents one day, and they came... They were downtown and came to an intersection, and they, they were stopped at the traffic light, and on, on the left side of the car was this beautiful, expensive, high-performance, black Mercedes-Benz sports car. And on the other side of the street was a homeless man who was begging for food. And Hannah was just struck by the contrast, and, and she said, Dad, if that person over there had less nice of a car, then that man over there would be able to have a meal. And the light changed, and the dad drove off, but Hannah kept insisting that they talk about that, and they finally got home, and the mother said, Well, Hannah, uh, what do you want to do? And Hannah said something that changed her life. Hannah said, I think we need to sell our house. Sell our house? Well, the idea sounded crazy, but they began to talk about it. And they began to see the parents say, here's an opportunity for us to teach our son and daughter a valuable lesson about life. So here's what they did. They sold their house. They sold their $2 million mansion in Buckhead, and they moved into a house that cost half that and was half the size. And they took the million dollars, uh, half the profit from the sale of the house, and with it they uh, built an orphanage and endowed an orphanage in Uganda and used some of the rest to fund some ministries here in the States. And they bought a smaller house, and they say now they're in a smaller house. It's wonderful. They actually are a family, and they actually see one another now because they're actually in closer proximity, and, and it's been a great blessing. And they've just recently written a book called The Power of Half. And they've got a website you can go on and check out how they're encouraging people to um, seek to live with with less and not focus all on yourself so that you can engage in acts of kindness and caring for others. Now, they've they've received a little bit of criticism because some people say, well, you know, if I lived in a $2 million house, you know, I could sell it and I could, you know, live in a $1 million house and and still do some great things. But that's not the point. Most of us will never be in a position like they are because of their wealth to do what they did. But here's the point. They could. They could. And they did. And that's the lesson. And so the lesson for us is uh, there are, what are those things that we do have the capacity to do? What can we do that if we really cared about others, we'd put our belief and our faith into action? Caring, though, doesn't have to involve great deals of money. I I heard an amazing story that touched my heart uh, this week about a little boy who lives in St. Cloud, Florida. His name is Glenn Barity. Glenn, a couple of months ago, turned six years of age, and his mama planned a birthday party for him. Now, now Glenn, uh, he's autistic. And 
his mom sent a notice and invited all the boys and girls in his first grade elementary school at Mill Creek Elementary. The day of the party, Glenn's excited, the mom's excited. They wait for people to come. Guess what? Not a single child showed up for Glenn's party. The mother was devastated. She goes on Facebook and she just basically cries out for, in pain for her son. She said, my son is so upset he can't even bring himself to smile. He's just devastated. Well, guess what happened? I guess Facebook does have some positive attributes. And the, as the word got out there, people started to care. And, and later that afternoon, complete strangers started showing up at their house. Moms and dads brought their little kids, and they had gifts, and they brought their gifts to Glenn, and, and they brought ice cream, and they, they brought cake, and they had a party. The sheriff's office of uh, Oceana, Oce, how do you pronounce that? Osceola, Florida, the sheriff's department heard about it, and uh, he sent his helicopter to do a flyover. And Glenn was so excited, he went out in his front yard and started waving up to the pilot. Well, it continued on for a couple of more days. The police department heard about it, so police cars started showing up. They brought their police dogs. One day, the fire truck showed up. His mama was bringing him back from school one day, and there's a fire truck in the yard, and, it, and Glenn said, Mama, there must be something wrong. There's a fire truck. In the driveway, she said, son, he's just, they're, they're just there to wish you a happy birthday. Some of the deputies pooled their resources, and they bought gifts and brought them to Glenn. I think that's a powerful, beautiful example of how simply taking the time to care for one another, in this case, caring for a little boy, with a birthday that nobody came to. The mother sadly said that she never heard once from any of the parents of those classmates to explain why they didn't come. Caring for a little boy made all the difference in his world, and I suspect it was an experience that none of those others will forget as well. That's the description of who we're supposed to be. We are people who take this wonderful belief that we have in God and it goes, we go beyond belief and to live it out in tangible ways. And one of the ways we're to do that is through caring. A moment ago, we called the names of these people who are the saints of the church. I suspect that one of the reasons we remember them fondly today, perhaps, is because many of them probably impacted your life in the way they cared for you and cared for others. So here's what we hope for each of us. That we will care more. The world desperately needs for the people who are believers in God to reach out and to care and be the hands and feet of Christ. She's still beautiful. So let me tell you how that happens. 
How can we develop a greater capacity to care? I'm not sure that we can. You see, it's not a matter of us saying, starting tomorrow, I'm going to be a more caring person. If that's, the, if that's the approach, we'll likely fail miserably. You see, developing a capacity to care is, is really not our work, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so what needs to happen is for a greater flow of the love of God, the Spirit of God, pumping through our spiritual veins in our heart. And how does that happen? As it relates to care, I would just offer a simple way that I think, that I know I can increase my capacity to care and you can increase yours. And it's a simple thing. It's called prayer. Now you think about this. I'm absolutely convinced that when we pray for another person, it is inevitable that the Holy Spirit will place within us and stir within us a greater capacity to care for that person. And so I would suggest that we just look for opportunities to pray for people. Have you ever thought about praying for the waitress at the restaurant who's taking your order for dinner or for lunch? You know what? I encourage you to do that the next time you're out at one of our local restaurants. You know what's going to happen when you when you actually pray for him or her? All of a sudden, they're, they're not going to be some nameless face taking your order. They're going to become, for you, a child of God whom God loves and for whom may just be needing some word of encouragement. And you're going to have a greater sensitivity to what you might do or say to brighten their day. When we pray for our neighbors who are going through some difficult time, just praying for them results in an increased capacity to care for them, a capacity that might even prompt us to literally do something for them. Pray for the people in the classroom. Pray for your your others at work. I promise you, you are going to become a more caring person because that's what happens when we pray. The most effective way I know to increase our capacity to care is prayer. Will you make a decision to ask God to stir within you a greater capacity to care. And the reality is that among believers, some of us do a great job of caring for others. But to be truthful, some of us do a lousy job of caring for others. Regardless of which describes you, I'm pretty sure that God would be pleased and we would be better if we increased our capacity. 
because that's who we are. May there be more and more of us who go beyond belief to live out that belief in our relationships with others in the real world. And first of all, that means caring. Will you take that card this morning and either in just a moment during communion or later today, I'd love for you, if you will, just to to write down one particular, just one commitment that you're going to make to become a more caring person. Maybe you'll identify a person that you're going to pray for. Maybe you're going to identify an area of need that you know you could help with if you cared enough. And just pray that God would give you an increased level of care.